This is The Guardian. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Cautious optimism. It's what scientists and politicians have been expressing as COVID-19 cases in the UK finally appear to be stabilising. It seems the worst fears about the Omicron wave in the UK may not be realised. Britain has seen a surge of cases linked to the variant in recent weeks, but there are tentative signs the number of new cases may have peaked. Signs that we might have passed the peak of the Omicron wave are certainly encouraging, but we're not out of the woods. Case numbers remain incredibly high and the NHS is under immense strain. All of which could continue as government ministers hint that Plan B coronavirus measures could be lifted in England very soon. I'm under no doubt the kind of burdens this puts hospitality, wider business schools and so on under. And I want us to, to get rid of those if we possibly can. The signs are encouraging, but clearly we'll wait to see the data ahead of that final decision. So, what lies on the other side of the UK's Omicron wave? From The Guardian, I'm Madeleine Finlay, and this is Science Weekly. Nicola Davis, you're The Guardian's science correspondent. So, first of all, can you give us an update on the current Omicron wave here in the UK? Where are we at? So if we look at uh, the cases, I mean, on the 16th of January, there were nearly 80,000 cases. If we look back to the 31st of December, so New Year's Eve, it was nearly 190,000 cases. So there's clearly a downwards trajectory. However, that is sort of the big picture in terms of the whole United Kingdom. And there are slight differences in terms of the trends for different age demographics and also different regions in terms of you know where they are uh, around that peak. So cases are still very high, but there is hesitantly some good news. 
Because when we first heard about this new variant, there was a lot of concern about how bad this wave was going to turn out because of how quickly Omicron spreads. But it does seem like things are slightly better than was anticipated. Well, I think what's important to say here is that when Omicron first arrived in the UK, you know, it was spreading very quickly and we had not a lot of data about it. So that meant that there were a lot, a wide range of possible scenarios that could could happen. Now, um, as time has gone on, we have learned a lot more about the variants. For example, you know, there was some concern, obviously, about whether it would be as severe as Delta variant. Latest data suggests actually it's intrinsically less severe. Um, and of course, we also have the vaccines and those who've been shown to be, you know, with a booster dose to be quite effective against Omicron, particularly against severe disease. And so there are those, those factors at play. So there's all these beneficial factors, but we should say that things obviously haven't been easy for hospitals, have they? And the numbers of people dying are still quite high too, even if they're not at the levels that we saw last January. Certainly hospitals have been under a lot of pressures. We've seen hospitals declare critical uh, incidents. It's been a very difficult time for them. So for example, you know, on the 10th of January, there were over 2,400 admissions that day to hospital for COVID patients. Now, uh, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about, well, are people being admitted for COVID? Or is it just that they are there for something else? Yes, there might be some people with a broken leg who happen to have a COVID infection. But actually, what also happens is that people who have long term uh, chronic diseases like, you know, heart failure or, or whatever. And the reason that they've had to come to hospital is because COVID has made that condition deteriorate. And there's also when people have a COVID infection in hospital, they need to be separated from those who don't have COVID. And that can put pressure on bed numbers for things like elective surgery. So it's not the case that uh, incidental COVID infections are somehow, they don't matter. They still matter. Sticking with hospitals, what do models predict is going to potentially happen over the next few weeks when it comes to hospitalizations? You know, we are starting to see perhaps a peak in terms of cases, uh, hospitalizations that may yet take some time for that to filter through. One issue there is that it's taken some time for COVID to spread from sort of younger age groups into the older and and potentially most vulnerable age groups. Now, uh, there's been a high uptake of booster doses in older age groups, and that's fantastic. But you've also got to remember that those booster doses were given to that age group sort of quite early on. And so they may be slightly more affected by the waning of boosters as well. Now, one of the things that the experts, the scientific advisors to the government have said is that it remains likely that hospital admissions in England will remain high for some time. And they say that's a result of very high numbers of infections and the continued risk of hospitalisation for the elderly and unvaccinated adults. Remember that that means you know, higher risk of, of more serious outcomes. And what about our behaviour and what impact this could have on numbers of cases? Because, you know, it's January, we're not going out, but in a week or so there's going to be a discussion about what restrictions will remain in place. Could this potentially have any effect on how numbers increase or decrease over the next weeks and months? At the moment, I mean, 
scientists are still saying that you know more of these so-called non-pharmaceutical interventions so sort of measures on on what we do and how we behave uh, they're not going to have much effect on on the peak now although it could still affect overall hospitalization levels as you say there there are changes in behavior though and there is talk about whether plan b may be lifted and so if behavior does go back to much more mixing then of course you do have the potential for further spread of, or more cases of Omicron, um, it could, that could impact on hospitalizations too. So it is sort of a difficult thing to say, but, but we do know that the more people mix, the more chance of contact with somebody with COVID, the more it's going to, to infect other people. So that sort of equation holds true. Let's look slightly further ahead. We've had so many people here in the UK who have caught COVID or have at least some immunity from boosters and vaccinations. Could this be the first and the last big wave of Omicron that we have? So I think what's important to say here is that this virus isn't going to suddenly go away. We might all desperately wish it would. But unfortunately, you know, COVID is something we are going to be grappling with for some time. And if, if we look at models, so for example, the University of Warwick put out some modelling on Friday where they've been sort of looking at, okay, given what we know now about Omicron, you know, what sort of scenarios are we looking at? They have suggested that towards sort of the, the early summer, so sort of May, June, July sort of time, that there could well be what's known as an exit wave. So at the moment, we've got cases coming down. But as mixing increases again, you know, as we head into those uh, warmer months, you've also got waning vaccine immunity. So as you've got those sort of factors coming together, you could see another, a bit smaller wave of Omicron. Uh, so that's that's a possibility. So that's Omicron. But could we get another variant coming after Omicron that's even worse? We are getting through the Greek alphabet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what could we potentially expect from new variants? Well, I think what's important to say is that there's been a lot of talk that, oh, well, as viruses evolve, they become milder. Now, that's a nice thought, but it's not necessarily borne out by what we actually know about viruses. So it's not an inevitability that COVID would become milder. You know, alpha and delta weren't more mild than the original strain of COVID that did the rounds. Omicron does appear to be intrinsically less severe, but it wasn't necessarily that it had to be so. But, you know, the the hope is nonetheless, you know, that whilst we've got to bear those points in mind, you know, it could well be that coronavirus may evolve to become milder and that it may be manageable. But I think it's important just to bear in mind that very little about COVID is a done deal. Nicola, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Nicola Davis. You can find her reporting and all of our COVID-19 coverage at theguardian.com. That's it from us today. See you on Thursday. This is The Guardian. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, What if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. 
Every week, he has a candid conversation with guests, including prime ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts.